Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Mumbling into the microphone. <laughs> microphone, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the uh, study and that's it. Well, that's a good two minutes. And then the tumors <laughs> and the no dose response and the whatever. Exactly. That'll work perfectly. Yeah. So this is all. This is the all mumble all the time podcast. Thank you. Welcome to everybody. Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> no. Hello. I thought you were going to leave yourself a little bit of gap there between when you stopped mumbling and said hello. Oh, I could. So yeah, you can, but you you're know, the fucking editor on this one. <laughs> I know. Why were you making life harder on yourself? I don't because we can have the the tail end of the music, and then uh, just like talking coming in louder. So we could have had that until I ruined it. Coulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda. We still can. I can cut this together. Hello. Hello! It is. The 27th of September, 2012, episode 77 of The Skeptic Wire. Yay! I am your host, Gary Lawn, and with us this week is Greg Perrine. Hello! And the soul of Donna Swafford. You might want to clarify that, Gary. The ghost of... So- no. No! No. No. No, Donna could not be with us this week because she's sick. I think she's currently either coughing up a lung or sleeping off having coughed up a lung. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw that she went to Costco and got the industrial tube of 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 uh, uh, sleep uh, sleep well sickness guy thing stuff. So I said, uh, NyQuil. <laughs> I didn't, I, I've, I've never actually taken NyQuil myself. I didn't know it came in a tube. Sure, it doesn't. I don't think. I think comes. It comes in she, a she, bottle. She bought. She bought the vat. She bought the vat of Nyquil, <laughs> and a straw with which to drink it. Well, we hope that she feels better soon. Yeah, and can moderate our zaniness next week. Zaniness. Okay. <laughs> do we have any birthdays this week? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you how your week was because I already asked you before we started recording. And, and nobody should, cares. Yeah, not really. Anyway. <laughs> you, no one cares. No one cares about my week. All right. Uh, <laughs> Birthdays. Today is Thursday, September 27th. That's right, because we're recording on Thursday now. You know why? Because I made them change it. Because you're just this whiny little college student. Because I'm a prima donna who doesn't want to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning and then wake up at 6 to go to class. Which I don't do anyway, but I'm trying to make it worse than it is. (laughs) So do we have any birthdays? Yes, we do. Just waiting for you to come back around to that. Um, September 27th. 1924. Do you know who was burned? Who was burned? A witch! Who was born did? Jason Bourne? No, no it was, was not the like person who invented Gershberms. Gershberms. <laughs> George Gershberm? <laughs> no. 
Uh, I don't know. Can we give me a clue on who might have been born on September 27th, 1924? His full name is Siegfried Fred Singer, but he goes by Fred Singer. Uh, did, is he the he the uh, the automatic uh, thingy uh, sewing machine guy? Not Singer that sewing I know machines. Of. Maybe no. a distant descendant. Who knows? Oh. But oh yeah, Singer was actually around uh, before the older. 20s. Yeah. Much much older. Yeah, 1800s. Huh. Okay, can you give me a clue? Um, scientist? Can you give me a clue? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that narrows things down considerably from everybody in the entire world to someone who has, um, uh, who's a Does it have to do with space? A little bit. Did he come up with a widget that allowed people to fly? No, he... They he have was a uh, someone who worked in the, um, I think, late 40s and early and early 50s to get... Transistors. Uh, small satellites oh. up in, you know... He, he was a rocketeer. He was, yeah, he was kind of working with Not people to rocketeer, try... Not the rocketeer, no, but a rocketeer. To try to get satellites up to observe uh, cosmic rays and observe the Earth's... But uh, they couldn't until after the war. Yes. So he, so he was no he was no brown. He designed a mouse. Well, he helped design a hundred pound satellite called the Mouse, minimal orbital unmanned satellite, comma Earth. And did it have a very long cord that attached to a um, <laughs> computer? No, it had really really rudimentary um, you know Geiger counters for cosmic rays, um, some very rudimentary um, photovoltaic cells um, could take some observations of the Earth's climate and stuff like that, but it was, you know, really kind of started earlier, and he was one of the people who kept promoting, hey, let's get satellites up, hey, let's get satellites up, but it didn't really happen in that that time, and the, I think the Russians beat us with, I don't know, Sputnik. Sputnik! But yes. he, he was Which a big was proponent of that. after the war. Yes. Oh, wait, but he was born in, born in 24, so yes. it's not like he started working on it immediately. No, no. <laughs> All right, I got confused. <laughs> yeah, he was born in 24. Huh. In the 1950s, he was working on getting these satellites up. Okay. He's um, he's worked a lot as a professor of um, physics and environmental science, um, teaching at University of Maryland for some time in the 50s into the 60s. Um, and also in the 70s through 90s, he worked at the University of Virginia as a professor. Oh, wow. Now, the thing that has made him mentioned on this skeptical podcast is he is very famous for two skeptical, well, not skeptical topics, but being um, controversial on two topics. Okay. Can you guess what any of them are? Um, probably global warming. Yes, uh, because he wanted to put this this stuff up uh, to to check. It. So he, he was a denier. He's a denier. Uh, is is still is still alive? Yep, still alive. He must be like a hundred. Well, well, ninety. Uh, yeah, something like that. Something. Yeah. So I'm doing the math. I'm doing. The- Nineteen twenty-four. He was born. He, now, granted, I have the the article open in front of me, so it's a lot easier for me to oh, do like, the math. But. Yeah, hey, it's it's two thousand twenty-four now. <laughs> We're in the future. <laughs> okay, so he's about eighty-eight. He's okay. Yeah. Um, so he, when he dies, he will have lived a full life. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yes, he, he will. Said they did. Okay. Um, I mean, there's some some topics that he's good skeptical on. There was hold on. Um, in the 1960s, there was a person. Oh God, this is going to kill me. Iosef Shalovsky. Shalovsky. Shalovsky, who had this hypothesis that um, because of the angle at which Phobos was, it's it's uh, the moon of Mars. Okay. It's not the not the Greek figure. Um, was the angle at which it was <laughs> its orbit was deteriorating? I just have. This image of Phobos like peeing is like because of the angle, it looked like a large wing. Well, okay, that's so just your sixth disturbed mind. We're talking. Okay, the moon of Mars, okay. Phobos. Phobos. Um, based on observations and numbers they had, he he hypothesized that its deteriorating orbit is having so is going so fast that Phobos must be hollow and therefore artificial and created by Martians. Ah. Right. And I have heard of this theory. Singer was um, said, "Well, if the cos- you know cosmology observations are correct, then yes, he's probably right that it is hollow and was created by Martians. <laughs> but let's take a look at the math on that first. Right. So at least he has some skepticism in him, in that yeah. he's saying." Well, technically, yes, if the math is what you say it is, then yes, it would be hollow. And he went, he jumped a little further in saying, then obviously it's created by Martians, but... Um, it may not have been created by... See, it exactly. could have been created in a galaxy far, far away, and it's yeah. just waiting to be taken out of its mothballs so that they can go and blow up. Or it's like that song I wrote, The Argument, could be created by angels. But probably not. Probably not. <laughs> That's a different song that Susan Werner wrote. So um, eventually, the the me- there were better measurements taken of Phobos's orbit, and they said no, it's not hollow, and no, it is not. Is it uh, decaying? It is decaying, but not as fast as they thought it was. Right, and but it has another moon that is not decaying, and Demos. in fact is getting further away. Um, I haven't read that much on that one. Yeah. I that's just that something I true. remember from reading about it. Yay. Well, we charge our listeners to go out there and and prove Gary right or wrong. Right would be good, but <laughs> I'll take nice. wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. But the Phobos moon hypothesis thing was not something that he was absolutely wrong on. But he was like a little too. He had a little too much credence in this idea that there was this artificial moon. Um, he is also very well known for being one of the few actually accredited scientists, physicists, environmental science, and all that, to be a global warming denier. And he will use the word skeptic. Um, He will talk about how there's this 1,500-year cycle of temperatures, and back then, a thousand years ago or something, that um, you know they were growing wine in England, and Vikings could go to Greenland, and it was all nice and warm and fluffy. Um, and it was good for humanity. So he thinks he's he's been on the record for saying there's no proof that CO2 or humans have had any link to global warming. And if About even which if it he was wrong, even if it was warming, that would be good for us to a point until all the death in and destruction small happens. regional areas. Yes, yeah. you know, beachfront property in Canada might be kind of nice. Canada. <laughs> Ah, yes, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but big old hurricanes in the Gulf and 
drought. scorching temperatures in drought right. uh, prone areas. Like Texas, perhaps. Yeah, California. Not so good. So on yeah. as a whole, it's not a good thing. Um, but Midwest. so he's um, he's still a denier. Um, yeah. But also in the nineties, he's. Um, the other thing that he is skeptical Wait, the of... the 90s or his 90s? The 90s. Okay. Not in the future, because he is 88, which right, we he, maintained could, about five I minutes know, but, ago. But he could be planning. Yeah, I see. <laughs> in the 1990s, he's uh, he basically came out as uh, saying that he thinks that secondhand smoke is perfectly fine. Okay. There are no health dangers at all with that. Uh, very, he's he's I mean, very free market kind of anti EPA. Free market will co- will cure all environmental problems because you can trust businesses to. Who, so basically, he completely forgets about the industrial revolution. In which case, why all of this stuff came up, and he's also forgotten about. Just about every bad thing we've heard about large corporations doing experiments on people or animals or on or the just environment. Dumping or just, stuff in rivers. Yeah. And, yeah. Or what was it, the New Jersey River catching fire? There are lots of rivers that did that, like the yeah. Hudson River. The Hudson. Cle- Hudson. Cleveland. That was the big yeah. one. That was the yeah. big one was the Hudson. Yeah. I thought it was New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey was so spoiled, it couldn't even catch on fire. <laughs> You're thinking of New Jersey and the medical waste. Um, coming up on shore that got dumped from New York City. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we all know that large corporations don't care about the bottom line. All they care about really is the environment and making sure that their employees, you know, yeah. are And the unfortunate happy. part is in in a technical world where you can think, well, you know, if if a company is polluting and someone finds out about it and they stop buying their product, that's the real world. That's the free market affecting things, but the problem is how that works in the real world is the company hides that, and by the time anybody finds out about it and stops buying their stuff, it's too late. Yeah, there's it's like steering the Titanic. There's sure. a, you, you need to kind of head these off at the pass well, like early the, on. In uh, West Virginia, the strip mining uh, co- operations or uh, uh, mountaintop removal that they're yeah. doing, and then they put all this sludge in this sludge pond. And I guess it was last year, one of the sludge palm, uh, sludge ponds, ponds, not palm, sludge pond broke, and it's very, 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 very toxic, yeah. and it got into the stream, and then all that stuff went downstream and killed a whole bunch of fish and some things that drink out of it. So yeah, yeah, I'm kind of on a rant there. No, no, I, understand. I am not anti-corporation, by the way. I just. Uh, think that they need oversight yeah so in many cases uh, you know Fred Singer is one of those kind of people who is is trained in science but seems to follow his ideology he went as far as to f- uh, found a science and environmental policy project that um, can you know often tied in with uh, conservative groups like the Heartland Institute that um, just is not um, not on the level, mm-hmm. and it's 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 is one of those examples of someone whose ideology <laughs> whose ideology controls how they interpret science, right. and that's, that's what not we try really to a good be, way to do science. Yeah, we try to be better about that. You have to look at the data for what it is, right. not put your your personal opinions on it. Right. Exactly. All right. So, not Frederick Singer, 
Steve Singer. Steven Singer? Siegfried Fred Singer, but he goes by Fred. Oh, so it is Fred. S. Fred Singer. So, happy birthday, Fred Singer. Please look more at the science. Yeah. So, moving on. Speaking of science, <laughs> uh, it's really... Well, it is it's sort of a learning moment, I suppose. Uh, the Republican candidate for president made a, a silly statement. Um, his his wife's plane, yeah? yeah. Well, normally we don't we try not to get really into politics <laughs> because this is not technically supposed to be a political show. This is true. But when candidates make statements that are either sci- uh, trying to address science or or maybe on the religious side and make claims about the world right. that are kind Don't of anti-fact, yeah. that's when we got to talk about that. Yes. So, yes. so uh, Mitt Romney's wife's plane had an electrical fire, or a fire of some sort, I think it was electrical, and had to make an emergency landing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not laughing about that. That's actually fairly serious stuff. Yeah. And the smoke got into the cabin. And um, they didn't drop the oxygen masks, I don't think, because, well, you know, fire and oxygen, not a good mix. And <laughs> Mitt Romney didn't understand why they couldn't just roll down a window so that they could <laughs> breathe better. Um, well, there's a reason for that. And <laughs> the, the, the first reason is, um, well, first of all, you're pressurized in, in yeah. a plane so that you can fly very high. Because uh, without not, that, you would uh, get oxygen deprivation, uh, which is a reason why you can't roll down the windows, because there's not a lot of oxygen up there beyond 12,000 no. feet. 12,000 feet is uh, about where you start need to have breathing apparatus to go up higher. And we'll get back to oxygen in a second. Yeah. Keep going on that one. Um, second of all, you're flying a couple hundred miles per hour, which isn't really good for people um, to go that fast. And, it's like, kind of windy. Yeah, stick your head out the window. I don't know what, what they're expecting. Uh, but they've had explosive decompression before. I remember a couple of years ago. Yeah, there was uh, there are some very uh, famous flying, ones back in the 80s. Well, more recent than that, the uh, plane was flying to Hawaii. The top ripped off, and unfortunately, a stewardess got pulled out because it's completely unexpected. So, you know, that happens. Um, the explosive decompression can kind of suck things out. Third of all, it's cold up there. <laughs> uh, like, really cold. Not like, oh, isn't it chilly? Let me Better put throw on, on a small sweater, yeah. <laughs> like, really cold. Um, oh, what else is there? Well, let's go back to the oxygen really yeah. quick. So so his idea was that it the, the plane had landed, yeah. and it was had a fire problem. Right. And wouldn't it be good if you could roll down the windows and get oxygen in? Right. Apparently, he doesn't know about the fire triangle. Which Wait, he, why didn't you explain about the fire triangle? Because I'm not certain I've heard that before. I mean, I understand that, um, well, if you think back to the Apollo 1 module, uh, the reason that they had such a big problem was it was pure oxygen and yeah. they had a small fire. Boom, small fire becomes very, very big, very, very fast. Yes, the, the the concept of the fire triangle okay. is that for any fire you require three things: fuel, oh. fuel, which is something to burn like wood or coal or a plane right. or or <laughs> things on a plane, seats, yeah. magazines, babies. 
<laughs> Those okay. are all things that could burn. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, you know, babies like that. Um, Seats. Uh, your computer. Whatever the crap is that they try and feed you most of the time. Speed yeah. nuts. <laughs> the, the, the durable food that they try to give you. Yeah. Fuel. Something that can burn. Okay, so you need fuel. S- second, a source of ignition or heat, which is essentially whatever spark caused right. the fire on the plane. I assume it's like bad wiring or something like that, High as opposed amps, to yeah. some stupid ass trying to light a cigarette on a plane. Probably not, like because, you know, it's Romney, they're Mormons, they don't smoke. Probably not, but yeah. it might, might not have been started by a Maybe Mormon. Maybe somebody did something illegal and tampered. Yeah. Yeah, but probably not. Probably was something electrical. Yeah. So, and then the third triang- part of the triangle... Could have been a coffee maker, except, again, Mormon, don't drink. Exactly. But there are other people on the plane besides Mormons, is what are I'm we trying sure? to say. It wasn't a private jet for her? There, but it, you're assuming that everybody on this plane, including the pilots and the attendants and anybody else on the plane, were all Mormon. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe... I, I would, Probably I would not. I would be skeptical of that. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 Probably I am, Probably not. But I was, I was just, I'm just looking at it from her point of view. It's like, well, no. I don't drink, so therefore nobody else is drinking. I don't think they're quite that no, they strong are. about yeah. making other people not do it. Okay. So, fire triangle. Fuel, stuff to burn. Right. Heat. Um, ignition a, a, source. A, a ignition source. And three is oxygen. Oxygen. Where have I heard that? So, the, the idea that Romney's solution to a fire on a plane was more oxygen <laughs> is, is shows not just... Uh, uh, you know, a, a scientific non-understanding of why th- a plane at 20,000 feet should not have the ability to open its windows, but also a, a bad understanding of actual science at a grade school level. Yeah. At a grade school level, you know, whether or not you are in the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts or not, you know that if you add air, oxygen, and all that to a fire, it gets brighter. It gets hotter. It burns the the seats and the coffee pots and the babies faster. That's bad. <laughs> Hence why I mentioned well, babies in the first place to say that <clears throat> Mitt Romney wants to burn your babies. <laughs> wow, that's a leap. Uh, but, it, you know, like... I was like, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. The, Making a but, joke. But like the, the Tom Hanks said on Castaway, or Jack Castaway... Um, you know, the, the air got to it yes. when he's trying to build a thing. Yeah, that air is oxygen. Now, yes. on the other hand, the if, reason why blowing on a fire works, even though you're blowing out mostly carbon dioxide, is you're still blowing out plenty of oxygen as well. Yeah, you don't absorb all the oxygen as you breathe in and out, so you're adding a little bit more concentrated oxygen to the fire as you blow on it. Now, uh, ironically, however, if they could have rolled down the windows. That would suck the oxygen out because there's not much oxygen up there, and that probably would have put the fire out. However, it probably would have asphyxiated everybody. But it, no, if it was down on the ground, the fire burning would have made the air rush in because it's consuming the oxygen. Hmm. Which would have made the fire badder, I think. Perhaps, if there's enough oxygen up there, that's the thing. Well, okay, we're, we seem to have some misunderstanding. I was talking about 24,000 feet. Yeah, because I was talking about being on the ground. No, not on the ground. Because the fire happened in the air, which okay. is why they had to land. Now, if, if I've learned anything from some of the Air Force kind of 
movies in Hollywood that they show us is that if you're on fire, you turn off your engines and you go into a steep dive until the fire goes out. <laughs> so you're going fast enough to blow the flames out. Right, because they can't get the oxygen. Exactly. Now, probably not a good idea on a passenger plane. Maybe a military pilot could handle that on, you know, a, a full-on F-16 or something, but probably not on a passenger, you know, you don't want to go into a steep, uncontrolled dive with your engines off. Nope, not no. unless you want to scare people. Plus, it sounds like it wasn't like the plane was on fire! If no. there was there was smoke, there was a small electrical fire. Yeah. So... Opening the windows wouldn't have done anything anyway. Bad science. Bad. Bad. So, to paraphrase Mitt Romney and Samuel L. Jackson, Uh I want some motherfucking windows to roll down on my motherfucking plane. (laughs) (laughs) Or something like that. Bad, Bad idea. Speaking of bad science, the Skeptic Wire got another shout out uh, from Tim Farley of What's the harm.net and skeptic tools? Skept tools. Skept tools. Uh, he is on a new vodcast, I guess, called Virtual Skeptics. And they do a Google Hangout, like, I guess once a week or once every other week or something. Um, and on this last one, uh, it was Tim Farley and Eve Siebert and Bob Blaskowitz. Bob Blaskowitz, Bob Blaskowitz. Now and you see what I Sharon have to deal Hill. with every single week when I'm doing yeah. the birthday segment. Go ahead. Yes. And Bob Sharon Blaskowitz. Hill. I, I, I probably should have listened to the beginning of the podcast again so I would know how to pronounce it. And Sharon Hill. Um, and about halfway through their, their discussion, they started talking about Web of Trust or specifically about naturalnews.com. And Tim Farley was was talking about the Web of Trust ratings and uh, how after we had, the Skeptic Wire had posted our blog about the Web of Trust and and, uh, exhorted people to go to Natural News and vote our conscience on them. Uh, Well, we said vote them down, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, (laughs) but we were specific on which categories we suggested they we yeah. vote them down on not exactly. just be across the board but specific of of the four categories this was in this one but we'll get to that in a minute yeah so tim went in and he looked it up in uh, end of march 2011 and it, it showed that their trust trustworthiness their reliability their privacy and their child safety was 82 across the board so those are the four categories. Those are the four categories. It was, it was 82 on all four categories, which is a little weird, yeah. but maybe just all their followers That's said... That's what he said, actually. They rated it the same way for across all four, and yeah. other so, people... So they didn't, they yeah. didn't actually like it so much that it was 100%. <laughs> they, well, they, they obviously I, wanted to kind of look like it... I'm assuming, of course, that there was no bad voting on it. What I'm assuming is that there were a whole bunch of people who did like 90%, 90%, 90%, 90%, and then some people who did like 70. Yeah. 70, 70, 70, 70, 70. And that kind of averaged out to about 82. Okay. You you have more faith than other people than I do. I, I think that it was loaded, uh, just 82. Because I think it comes up when you when you first go to a site that hasn't been rated. It kind of sits not at 100%. It sits in the green. It has a gray circle. has no rating no, whatsoever. No, no, but when you go in to start rating, yeah. uh, it, it actually comes up 
sort of in the green, and then you have to modify it from there. So it's like they just rated it. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So anyway, it was 82 across the board. And then when we did uh, our episode in the in the blog post Back in, in July. July, shortly thereafter, uh, on the 24th of July, about a week later, they had dropped down to 74 on their trustworthy, uh, 72 on reliability, 77 on privacy, and 71 or 74 on child safety. Um, and then, uh, in September, he went, we looked it up in September, and they had dropped even more. Now, this is around the time when Mike Adams, the health ranger yes. of natural news, we talked about this a week or two ago, yeah. exhorted all of his minions to go out and, and rate stop, natural stop news. stop the up, up, up. online censorship. Of natural news and the rate up, yes. No one's censoring them. We're just rating them. No, no, that's what he said. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's online censoring because we're just being jerks, big poopy heads. Well, when he he did that, that was September fifteenth. Uh, and by the way, all of these numbers uh, are what Tim Farley put up. So I haven't actually uh, gone that far. Well, Tim, uh, as an aside, Tim Farley regularly scours the internets. For pure, for pure numbers on what's going on. Yeah. He's the one who will track how many skeptical podcasts are out there, yeah. how many skeptical blogs are out there. And part of that, in things that he's interested in, like Web of Trust, is every once in a while just getting the numbers on all these sites, what their Web of Trust ratings yeah. are, which is why back in 2011 he had this baseline to compare it to. Yeah. And now that the news has changed things, he's been checking a little bit more often. That's just what he does. That's what he does. He does a good job on it. So on September 15th, when uh, when Mike Adams put out this little screed, uh, they were they had actually gone down even more. Uh, 68 trustworthy, uh, 66 reliability, 74 privacy, and 71 child safety. And then he decided to go back about a week later. Well couple of days, about four four or five days later, um, after, to see what Mike Adams's exhortations, how it might have changed things. And unfortunately for Natural News, it didn't help, because they actually went down more. It kept going down? It kept going down, so they've dropped even to 64, 62, 69, and 66. So... Get on you for people for going out there and starting this. I, and I, think I it's would really like funny. to believe that's more of our listeners going out there, listening to our podcast, I'd and like rating to. down natural news. Sure, and, and and anybody else that's that's pushing web of trust as well, and yeah. finding out about it. Now, I, I would, I would, I. It, it's interesting that all the numbers uniformly have gone down, kind of almost all, all to the yeah. all together to the same level because. You know, there's some things like, especially natural news, where my, from my point of view, I know they're not trustworthy on their information. So the right. first category I always rate them down on. Well, when I rated them, I rated them down because you can only vote once. Yes. And I rated them way down on child safety. Right. Privacy, vendor reliability. I've never ordered anything from them, so I don't know how they are. I don't. I don't. I've had never received a virus from them, but then again, I use a Mac, which is less likely to be targeted. So it still, still can be targeted, <laughs> but the I, with with me with these kind of untrustworthy sites, it's usually the first one and the last one. Trustworthiness right. and child safety. Although, although child safety, um, 
In this particular case, we're talking literal child safety on the information that you find. Yes. Whereas the child safety that they're actually asking about is, is the website safe for children to go to? In other words, there's no pornography or there, you know. But I, I mean, would consider bad science not just unsafe for children medically, but also bad for right. children to learn. Anti- anti-vaccination as they exactly. are. Exactly. You don't want to indo- indoctrinate kids with anti-science screeds. Right. Like show up on naturalnews.com. Exactly. So, um, for those of you who haven't done it, <laughs> keep, keep going yeah. to it. Simple, simple thing. You've heard me talk about it a whole bunch of times. You go to mywot.com, I think it is, to install the Web of Trust plugin on almost any browser that's out there. I think it's not mobile. It's all, it has to be on your computer. Um, right. So you just install install that plugin, and then a little grade circle shows up on any website that you go to to say what is this website rated as. You click on that that icon next to the web address, and you give your own rating. Yeah. So once you've got it installed, every week when we talk about a new site to rate, then you know it just takes thirty seconds, and it's something you can do to help protect others. But you should you should know that uh, because it checks the rating of every website you go to, that means that it's sending back to the Web of Trust server which website you're going to. So if you're concerned about safety, or not safety, if you're concerned about privacy, uh, private, uh, at, at the very least disable it before you start doing your private browsing. Um, right. <laughs> just so you know, you know, we're not going to... But it's, you know, it's Finland, so yeah. They're not. They're not really known for. The- I. I would. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll just say I don't for know now. What that means. Um. We just ask anybody if you haven't done it already. Go rate Natural News for its trustworthiness, especially in its yeah. child safety. Um. But every week I try to come up with a new one. Um. And to to tell our listeners about, especially if they've already done Natural News, let's give them something to do this week. And do because we have anything new this week? One of, one of the criticisms Tim Farley had of us was, we're a small little podcast. And he's like, they were like tilting against windmills of this big, <laughs> huge organization of, of, of uh, what's it called, Natural News. Natural and news. they've got this big engine behind them and all these minions and believers. Maybe they were worried about the trustworthiness of Web of Trust, which is ironic, and why they didn't. Well, it all is a conspiracy theory site. Yeah, exactly. So I can totally see them not wanting to to yeah. but screw around like that. For uh, for kind of, I, I think this is probably a fairly small site. So <laughs> we're gonna bite off more of. We're gonna punch at our weight on this one. Oh yeah, we we don't want to do info wars. <laughs> Let's let's wait a couple weeks. Yeah, until those guys are kind of savvy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, what I'm going to recommend this week uh, that you go and check out, even if you just want to laugh, and then whatever you want to rate them on, that's great. I think maybe trustworthiness, a little kind of like, oh, God, oh, okay. And that's kind of like how Donna would react to it. It's like, oh, oh my God. So... So, so www.ourhollowearth.com. Awesome. Um, basically, they're talking about at the um, the north and south latitude that there's a specific point where there's um, polar openings into the hollow interior of a planet that live the uh, lost ten tribes of Israel. Right. And where does lava come from? 
Yeah, I I don't know. It's a very it's a very especially religiously wooey kind of. Actually, I know site. I know where the lava comes from because I'm um uh it slowly comes from the devil. I'm slowly rereading uh, Good Omens by uh, uh, Terry Guyman and and Neil uh, Terry. God, bugger it. So. Anyway, I'm read. I'm I'm rereading for the umpteenth time. Good omens. Um, slowly because that's like my before I go to bed. You know, need to know that. You get. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I, what know what else you're doing. You know, right before as bed. I'm slathering on the oil and putting the uh, the, the pungent the pungent spices on uh, in bed. I'm reading good omens, which you can find at adamandeve.com. The, the pungent spices and the oil. Yes. So uh, it's a ve- it's a very funny book, uh, well worth the read, and it does have a lot of social commentary in the whole thing. But in it, there's a there's a gang of of four that live in this little little village, and the Antichrist, who's been named Adam, because there's a anyway I won't get into it. Um, you have to read the book. Uh, they're talking about the Hollow Earth because Adam has started reading all these New Age type of things. And they're like, yeah, well, where does the lava come from? It's like, well, I didn't say it was hollow all the way through, just near the center, and all the lava fills up near the edges between the the crust where where they live on and the hollow earth. So, so it's that, like a big Oreo, more like a donut Oreo. Well, it's got it's got the crusty layer, the the soft squishy lava layer, and there's probably another crusty layer to it's more like an everlasting hollow- gobstopper. Yes. Or a Tootsie Pop, where the Tootsie Pop then, where the, the, the Tootsie in the middle is oh. actually the, is supposed to be hollow. There you go. But I'm, I'm assuming there's some crusty level on yeah. the inside hollow part of it yeah. that allows the people to live inside there. Yes. So Which it's not just mean... crust lava people, it's crust lava crust people. Yeah. So thus Oreo. Yeah. Okay. A globular Oreo. <laughs> Okay. A spherical Oreo. Yes. Okay. I still think my Tootsie Pop analogy, or everlasting gobstopper uh, analogy is better. Tootsie Pop is not hollow. I know, but what I said was... I that don't listen to what you say. say. <laughs> the Tootsie is... So it's shell. It's all shell. There's a big, th- thick shell. No, no, no. Oreo. Which may... No! Yes. Oreo, no! Oreo is flat! <laughs> right, which is why I said it wrong, was... Wrong, wrong, wrong. It was a... No. A, a, a spherical Oreo. No. Yes. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. Readers, write in to <laughs> skepticwire at gmail.com and join the debate. We'll Tootsie Pop po- slash Everlasting Gobstopper or <laughs> Oreo Cookie Spherical <Globe>. Oreo. <laughs> we'll put a poll up on our Facebook page and damn it. So anyway, it's <laughs> www.hollowearth. OurHollowEarth.com. OurHollowEarth. Yes. Org? Com. Com. Dot com. Our Earth is hollow! Dot com. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Speaking about hollow earths, in no way at all. Well, the word GMO has an O, which kind of looks hollow, like an Oreo. Right. The O looks like an Oreo. There was a recent study, very recent study, about genetically modified organisms? Food. Why did I put GMO? Well, 
Genetically modified organ. GMO is GM is basically the umbrella term for anything geomotically. Geomotic. It's modified to look like Paul Giamatti. (laughs) Interesting. Is that where we're all going? Monsanto wants us to all Monsanato, Monsanto, whatever the hell. Monsanto. Monsanto. Yes, Monsanto's true conspiracy is to make us all look like Paul Giamatti. Obviously. So there was a... Want to try starting again? Not really. (laughs) So there there was a recent study released uh, about... as a two-year study on about 10 groups of 20 rats each. And the rats were... There was... So one group of 20 was the control group. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the rats, the other 180 rats, uh, were fed maize, or corn, but mm-hmm. maize, as they said, because it's French. <laughs> and the the maize was either uh, doused with Roundup, which is oh. that... Uh, no, it's not French. Roundup is not French. No, but you said the uh-huh. experiment... Was run by French people. Yeah, so, so I'm you're just a coming in late. Culture. Okay. Yeah. Oh, a bit of culture. Okay. <laughs> a little je ne sais quoi. So, so the uh, that the maize was uh, some of the ma- some of the groups were given maize that were uh, doused in Roundup, various levels of Roundup, or for for very over a period of time, and then the other group uh, other group was given genetically modified maize that was resistant to Roundup. To see. Kind of okay, based on just regular old unmodified maize versus the modified maize versus the modified maize with Roundup. Yeah. W- how does it affect these rats? Eggs. Does it make them die? Exactly. Does it does it cause problems? Yes. Well, according to the researchers, the rats grew tumors. Which ones? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> then that's not much of a study. <laughs> not much of a study. <laughs> but including the control. Well, let's 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 uh, let's back up before we before what we little get, control there was. What little control there was. So first of all, um, the rats used uh, weren't really good rats for longitudinal studies. They were troublemakers. They smoked. Well, they wore um, uh, it turns leather out jackets that this, had the greased hair. This breed of rat. Uh, tended to grow tumors and die after about two years. So, so these rats were known for growing tumors. The rats that usually get tumors got tumors, and they concluded that was the co- the cause of it was that, exactly. So the, that's that's just okay. that's just one point. Okay. Um, second of all, all of the rats were allowed to eat as much maize as they wanted. Now these particular rats that after about two years, start growing tumors uh, and die. Um, actually, if they are overfed, start growing tumors and die. <laughs> so fat rats get tumors. Get tumors, right? Because they're rats. The, they're a strain of rats who get tumors in the first place, anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So. That's not really good. That's, no. not, that's not that's not really setting up the study to do to do a good job. Plus, now, there I, are we, other rats that don't do this, and they could have used those other rats. There's lots of different experimental strains. Yeah, and and it's it 
I mean, we're, I'm going to go back a second to something we kind of gloss over a bit in that, first of all, they're only studying 200 rats. It's a yeah. really small sample size. But even then, the experimental groups are really small. Right. Somewhere between, I mean, sometimes rats just die off or whatever. But by the end of the study, you've got somewhere between 10 and 20 rats per experimental group. And you've got so many experimental groups and only one tiny little control group. Yes. That's a problem statistically. Yeah. That you know, you can't read anything into your data if your if your sample size per group is ten to twenty people. And that's one of the problems that the uh, scientists who uh, finally saw the study were talking about. Yeah, we'll get into the fact that yeah. this idea of the scientists who finally got to see it. So yeah. so so there's small sample sizes. Right. They're allowing these rats to gorge on however much corn they want. Yep. And we know the f- by the fact that we have obesity studies in humans and rats and everybody else that overeating causes health problems. Yep. And three, these rats that got tumors were likely to get tumors anyway in the first place. Yeah. Any other things with the experiment in and of itself that was kind of uh, what kind um, of reaction? Well, interestingly enough, so they, they had different doses on of Roundup on 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 the maze, right? All right. So maybe there was one control group and then one group that was just given the corn in and of itself that was Roundup resistance, and then right. eighteen other groups with varying levels of Roundup on the, the yeah. maze. Yeah. So the other or something like that. We yeah, haven't so the looked other at the eight groups. So you had, I guess, I presume, I haven't read this today, but I presume. Eight levels of a light spritzing to doused. Yes, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> In very scientific but weirdly, terms. weirdly, uh, the the tumors that showed up showed no prevalence for dosage. So rats were just getting tumors kind of willy nilly. Uh, they got it on the the GMO. Uh, on a genetically modified maze, they got it on the low dosage, and they got it on the high dosage, and there seemed to be no uh, correlation on 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 the dose. Now, medicine kind of works. I mean, uh, sorry, the modern scientific method is all about dose. Right. I mean, there there's some substances out there that have their dose reaction is such a small reaction that. You know, you know, if you take a certain amount of arsenic or something, yeah. you're going to die, period. It, right. Anything beyond that doesn't really seem to matter. But it's a little strange <laughs> when something like a weed killer that hasn't had any... We haven't seen any mass die-offs of populations all of a sudden is showing a really small dosage level reaction. Right. So... That leads back to they just got tumors because they get tumors. And and I've read somewhere that not I mean there like you said there were varying levels of Roundup dose on this corn. I, I read that some of those groups actually were healthier than the control group, <laughs> which shows like you know usually in scientific scientific statistics you want to see essentially a straight line with your graph right. of the more dose you give the more reaction, or at least even if it's not an angled line, it's a straight line across the board where you have dots that are maybe vary a little bit either way, but it sounds like if you had groups that were much healthier, you have these outliers 
So you essentially got a zigzaggy line that shows Nothing. there's a lot of noise. Yeah, it, it, and considering the size of the groups that they were doing, it doesn't really show anything. It, yeah. sh- it shows there's a lot of error bars going on. Yeah, there. Very, very much so. Uh, and and apparently the the researchers didn't even try and try and correlate. They didn't even do the statistics on on whether it. Uh, sorry, they didn't do the math on whether it was statistically correlated to all of this stuff. So other researchers had to do that. Now, this is where we get into the ethical the, considerations. The other researchers part. Yeah. The other, yeah. Um, first of all, so they did this two-year study, and as they're about to release it, um, they they did an, an embargo on uh, on the story on the on yeah on, on the research because because you know that's standard procedure this in is, science in that we'll let you journalists know about the story first right. but don't don't release your story until until September yeah, X until we've done our press release and then you can do everything then you can do it immediately right. so you have time to write your story but. You're not allowed to release anything ahead of time, otherwise nobody will ever give you a story ahead of time ever again. Yeah. So, which is okay yeah, that's and fine. can it's, be good it's for news. journalism. It's, and, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Um, however, in this case, uh, the researcher said, you know, uh, not only do we not want you to release the story before it's it's time. So we'll we'll play this out. Okay, I am right. Mr. Researchy with my press hat with a little card stuck in it that says press. Yeah. And I said, hello, Mr. Scientist, what have you got for me today? Well, we've got... <laughs> we, we have this, uh, this lovely study that's going to show some really cool stuff. Oh, uh, neat. I would like to give it to you. Uh, before Jinky. before oh, you take it, I want to sign you this, this release that says you won't ask anybody outside of your organization other than you to look at it. Well, no, I mean, I, w- I won't write about it beforehand. No, no, no. So that's no, you, you, no outside researchers must be allowed to see this before you you release the paper. Well, you know, I work for... No sharing it. I work for a fair and balanced news organization. I have to be able to get the other points of view. In that case, here's a press release. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to write about your study. Oh, you're allowed to write about it, but you're, uh, no outside scientific opinions. So essentially, you just want me to parrot whatever it is you say. We. Oui. Okay, yeah. this is my decision point and scene. Yeah. So what did the, the journalists do? Well, they accepted it because they wanted to, to look at the research. But what they weren't science, I mean, they were science reporters, but they weren't necessarily scientists. So they were told that they were not allowed to go to other, other scientists. scientists who have actual knowledge about this particular, you know, how, the studies, how studies are done, the rats, the whole thing. They weren't allowed to show it to anybody. And I'm pretty sure that... Not even just spe- specific researchers in genetically modified foods. No. Anybody who can say, uh, the statistics on this is a little weird, what's going on here? Yeah. They weren't allowed to show nobody it. Nothing. They weren't allowed to show it to anybody. And second of all, um, so the embargo was released during a live press conference. Not okay, a big deal. Yeah. But um, the, the press was release was from a group called the Sustainable Food Trust. And they, the Sustainable Food Trust said that the research was supported by an independent research organization, Crygen. C-R-I-I-G-E-N. Yeah, I'm just going to... I'll call it Crygen. It looks Crygen. like Crygen. Yeah. yeah, sure. I just Crygen. wanted to spell it out for people who yeah. wanted to Google it. Yeah. 
But what the Sustainable Food Trust didn't say is that the paper's lead author, who was named Giles Eric uh, Seralani, Seralini. Well, he's on Crygen's board, and they funded the study. Okay, so <laughs> you've got this group saying, well, this this study that's being pr- um, published in the Food and Chemical Toxicology Journal yep. has been, um, what's it's the been, word? It reviewed. Been, it's been reviewed. It's, it's been peer reviewed. And, um, by an independent organization. By an independent organization called Crygen. Yeah. It just so happens that the author for the paper, the lead author, and the lead experimenter is on the board for Crygen and paid for the study in the first place. Yeah. Not not ethical breach as that's far as I a, can see. That's not so like a Venn diagram. That's just a circle. That's just a circle. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you get to study? Oh, a lead researcher. Who's the lead researcher? Some guy named Gary Lawn. Wait, didn't Gary Lawn do the research? Oh, yeah. Didn't Gary Lawn pay for the research? Oh, yeah. So the only one who reviewed it was yourself. It's okay. I have multiple personalities. <laughs> no, Gary, you have no personality. Hey. Sorry, you left yourself open for that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had some problems. They have some real real issues with this. Now, the, the, the real question you have is, well, why would they do this? Well, first of all, uh, sustainable food, the the, the 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 sustainable food trust has released other things anti-GMO. They're they're against genetically modified uh, grains and all that stuff. Yeah, the author anti-GMO. himself, uh, Seralani, has been anti-GMO for twenty years. Yeah. So so they've they've released stuff that's that's against this. Um, but the question is, so why why would why would they do this? Because one, why would they do the embargo? Well, why right. would they manipulate the statistics? Right. Why would I mean, they these are supposed to be cherry pick their data. These are supposed to be professional researchers. These are professional research. I mean, they're they should be at the top of the game. They they want to be known. They should in the accept field. peer review yeah. to show that their study can stand up to the test of time. Yeah, and I mean, if you read the study. And I don't know. You're looking to hire somebody, and you see what's happened. I wouldn't want to hire any of these people. Yeah. You know. And and now seeing after all the facts come out, I'm not going to trust anything that they put in front of me again. So why would they put this out? I mean, they had to have known that all of this is going to come out. Why, Gary? Tell us why. I'll tell you why. He's going uh, to it's tell. It's a political He's move. Tell. He's going to tell. He's <laughs> going, going to tell. tell. No singing. Um. It's politics. Yes, it's politics. So what's happened... I thought it was going to be money. Well, uh, the French government is kind of on the fence about the whole GMO thing. Um, Most of the European governments are yeah. as well. Yeah, no, I mean, but it's, French as well. I mean, the whole Franken-food thing is kind of scary. And not uh, Franken-food as in Franco, like French, Frankenstein. Frankenstein food, right. And not Franken-beans, right, so... Although Franken beans in the GMO world be, be genetically modified. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't tell me to move on, sir. I'll move on when I am getting ready. And I am ready now. So after this study was released, the French government said, oh, well, we're going to look into this. And, and they started the process to shut down or you know do a big study on genetically modified food. Right. Now, we all know the inertia of government. It's very hard to stop something once it gets going. And, of course, 
politics is ideology many times. It's not like science. And so these people are like, oh, well, we've got this study. And the other thing is the researchers or this research is is first on the ground here, right? So they've got this study with press release and all this information and pictures of showing tumor-filled rats and how horrible genetically modified food is. By the way, tumor-filled rats, we finally have a band name, Gary. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. We're the tumor-filled rats! Blink, blink, blink. Okay. Welcome um, to Big Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're their first release, and they have the press. And this is first in the public consciousness, right? There have been other studies of GMO foods, but they're really kind of marketing the hell out of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's in the public consciousness that GMO is bad. So it's very hard to shift a, a, a thought if people aren't willing to be open up. Kind of like well, where people first heard of the Andrew Wakefield study yeah. linking vaccines to autism. Right. It's really hard to, people, to, to get people to realize that that study has been debunked, he's lost his doctorate, the whole thing. Yeah. The, that's the analogy. And so now, this, these people have this out there. They've got the French government going, oh, well, we must stop this. Uh, in the yeah, meat whatever. cake. Yes. Not genetically modified cake. Yes, not with the gem of flour, I must say. And that's why they did it. They, they did it purely for, for the inertia that they're going to get. I don't think it's purely for the political inertia. I mentioned a couple minutes ago because it's about money. Oh, the author, the lead author of the paper, Saralani, just happens to have a new book coming out called All Guinea Pigs. <laughs> and there is also a new documentary about, I think, him and his opinions and all that, that he is a major figure in that is being released uh, right now about the same time the study is being ah, released as well. So ah, it does have a lot to do with money as well. Okay. But it, it, it so it's a political thing about trying to. Uh, skew public opinion and political opinion. It's a money thing, and it's also an ideological thing because, yeah. as we saw earlier with um, Mr. Singer, whose birthday it is today, if you have these political I- ideas of thinking that something is bad, you fit your evidence to make that work. Right, and that's exactly what happened here. They went out looking for the stuff that, that supports them, and they skewed the data and it's, I mean, it's they almost constructed the study in a way that it would be really easy to misinterpret. Yeah, because small sample it's hard size. To, it's hard to say it's, only it's a as little fraudulent yeah. as as the Wakefield it's, study. It's not, but it's pretty damn close. It's bad science and it's dodgy statistics. Yeah. It's cherry picking what you bad did man. that is just kind of sloppy science. Yeah, but it, it is an interesting look on the aside into. That it's not just the the conservatives of the world who are anti-global warming or anti-evolution or something like, like that who are anti-science. There are plenty, especially on the liberal side, who are very anti-GMO, not because of the science in and of itself, but of an ideological mindset of the natural world is better, right. you know, we're scared of... of what this possibly could be. I mean, the, yeah, fa- no, the fact is that GMOs are really pretty heavily tested, heavily regulated, yeah. and we agree that it should be because you got to make sure. Right. But 
there, the the point of view of the anti-GMO people is almost always, well, people are just throwing these things, and, you know, this new corn into fields willy-nilly. They're not testing it at all. Yeah. No, it's gone over years and years of experimental testing in a lab to make sure that it didn't kill rats. <laughs> The, the 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 progress of science for the last few hundred years has been the consistent attempt to try to kill or not kill rats. Right. That's that's <laughs> what science is. <laughs> Amongst other, there's other things yeah. they've been trying to kill too. Yeah. But you're right. Ra- mostly rats, rats. Maybe mostly some rats. fruit flies yeah. or zebrafish, but <laughs> yeah. mostly rats. <laughs> so, it, but it's it's you've got this just anti-scientific thinking of. Well, I just don't like it, so I'm going to be against it and find the evidence to prove that. Yep. One one thing I was thinking when reading this article is there's a lot of anti-GMO people who are also anti-Monsanto, what we talked about yes. earlier. And those are kind of conflating two different things. There's this kind of anti-big corporate problem where Monsanto is very profit-driven and has some slimy tactics. I don't know all about them, so I can't comment too much on it, but it does seem like they have some slimy tactics. Yeah. And then there's the GMO stuff, which is just, there's no science saying that it's bad for you. Right. And it, you know, it's yet. more food for people who need food on this earth. And there's been millions uh, of pounds of GMO food yeah. in, in over, what, last 15 years, I think, is what for they said? years and years. I mean, yeah. Norman Borlaug so developed this stuff you know, decades ago yeah. to feed people with better strains of crops. Yeah. Now, there's a, some correlation, causation problems going on because, oh, the world's getting fatter. Well, that's because maybe, I don't know, more food. Right, because we're all Westerners doing, are eating yeah. food badly, and, and the, certainly the Westerners are also sitting more at the desk rather than working out in the yeah. fields. So there's correlation, but it may, probably isn't caused yeah. by genetically modified. Yeah, it's foods. not the genetically modified food that's making us fat. It's eating more of the genetically modified yeah. food, or more of any food. Yeah. It's not, you know, I really don't believe that fructose, high fructose corn syrup is worse than sugar. Just the more you eat of it, the fatter you're going to get. Right. Well, I, I would. I think that it is in some ways worse than sugar, not for you, right? But in the way that your body reacts to it. Because from what I understand, I think there was a study that showed that with sugar, you get your sugar fix. With high fructose corn syrup, you it don't doesn't get realize your sugar. that it's sugar, so it wants you yeah. to eat more. Yeah, I th- I think that's the way. I I don't know. And um, but yeah, this but is my point the, was mainly high fructose corn syrup. It's in and of itself. If you eat the same amount as sugar, it's not going to make you fatter. Oh yeah, it's right. not going to make you more unhealthy. Yeah, it's just, right, it's the agree. fact that you're eating so much of the fructose and glucose yeah. that is part and in the sixty four yeah. ounce big gulp yeah. thing uh, that you wouldn't normally drink, <laughs> but you suddenly decide that you have to have. 5,000 calories. Um, I had one other thing, kind of going back a second on the Monsanto conspiracy theory side of things, and I just want to pose this question to you, Gary, and see what you think. Um, A lot of the anti-Monsanto people are very against the business practices of selling seeds that can't produce a next generation, so you have to go back and buy more seeds. And business practices like that, so they're very anti-that, but they're also anti- 
genetically modified foods because they're scared it's going to get out into the wild and and overpower. I mean, yes, there are invasive species like Asian sure. carp. It's very bad in the United States. You know, like up in I think it's in Illinois. There's a lot of it's all over the place because people sure, are using or it the to, uh, the hanging vines down in yeah, New Orleans. All that kind Spanish, of stuff. Whatever the exactly. Getting you know invasive species, which is a valid concern. Yes. So, I'm curious if you propose this question to an anti-Monsanto, anti-GMO person. If we genetically modified, say, these corn to require that you sprayed them or or added something to the soil which adds a vital element which they cannot grow without. Right. So, you you think of the Jemadar from Deep Space Nine. There were these genetically uh, modified soldiers that the founders, which I won't reveal who they were, spoil alert. Why, why, don't, we, why don't we just okay. talk about Jurassic Park, where they, they put in the, the lysine deficiency. Yeah, so the, the, okay. the, the Gemidar needed this Ketrosol White, the lysine deficiency for um, uh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic. whatever nerdgasm you want to go for. <laughs> right. So essentially saying that... Vampires these, need blood. Exactly. These species couldn't survive without this one thing that they can't get in the wild. Right, okay. This artificial... Maybe it's okay, a chemical, not like vampires. maybe it's a amino acid or something that is not naturally, you know, not okay, right, readily okay, available. Right. So you have to add something have to, to make add it, it grow. So that means that if this if this plant produces a seed that gets blown into the wind or eaten by a rat that goes 20 miles and then poops it somewhere else, and it tries to germinate, but it can't because it doesn't have this chemical and dies. Would Would they... Would the anti-GMO, anti-Monsanto people before that, because it's controlling a genetically modified food that can't get out into the wild, or against that because it would be a, a business practice which meant that you would have to keep buying more stuff from Monsanto? Against. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's actually an easy one. They're going to be against it because because you can't then go out and grow your garden. Okay. So they're just against it. Yeah, I mean... Lock, suck, and... Yeah, it's kind of... I, I would think that would be an easy... If, I mean, maybe not easy, but no, a because good way to control... No, because the whole thing is, it's not natural. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but in a logical point of view, which I'm trying to be from, is, well, this is a way to but control a But you asked me crop. how they would think, and that's not yes. logically. Well, how would you react? Do you think that's a good idea to control as one I think it's a, a pretty good idea, Because but... the idea of, like I said, invasive species can be a bad thing. But I... I, I no, I, I think it's a good idea to, to be able to do that. But I'm kind of with the anti-Monsanto people in that uh, I don't like I don't like the idea of being beholden mm-hmm. to uh, a, a, a very large corporation and being unable to you know continue growing my crop if something goes wrong and I can't buy your damn seed. I mean, I should be able to use the seeds that I've. Mm-hmm. I've raised myself. Now I understand. I understand the business model Monsanto's going with, but they put themselves in that box. Yeah. So fuck them. Yeah. They're, I, I, like I if, said, I don't. If know anything goes about wrong the with them, yeah. I mean, like you've got all of these things that that grow once and die. If anything goes wrong with Monsanto, what, what do we do? So they've made themselves too big to fail. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of seeding things out there, but. Yeah. They're the big ones. It's, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a scary thought. If if something goes wrong one year with their production, uh, millions starve. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I had never thought of that before. Yeah, yeah. like oh, we can't get you the seeds this year, 
or if they just say we can't get you the seeds this year uh, because because of uh, production things and we don't like you. Or you they, they're trying to drive up prices or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean, who reason. knows what motivations there might be or some catastrophe. That's all money. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, or it could be like their one big seed plant for wheat is, you know, is right next to a tsunami or something and gets destroyed and now they can't make any more of the yeah. seed. Tornadoes. And Tornadoes fling all the seeds everywhere. <laughs> and then, you know, people starve because... Well, yeah. people are starving enough anyway because the anti-GMO people are anti-GMO, and they're first-world people who are saying we can't make this food for third-world people who desperately need it. Right. Yep. That's bad. Yes, that's bad. So, but I think we won't go down that road <laughs> on seven billion people on the planet. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So, but it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting. These bad GMO people, anti-GMO people. F- manipulating science and and also the press getting it wrong where they should have just walked away from a bad situation the peer yeah. review system or failed made it quite clear exactly what happened i mean yeah. i think i think that there was a failure of the press uh i can understand them all accepting because they all want to have the press release. Yeah, but they I mean, could have it's, said it's, in it's the, the press release they wouldn't let yes. us check with anybody, so we can't right. verify. Because it's the, it's the prisoner's dilemma there, right? Yeah. Uh, only with 50, 50 outlets. Uh, although the more scientific ones, I don't know. It, it would it have made a big difference if the more scientific journals said we will not abide by these restrictions. You will give us the the details so that we can do a research, so we can do it. We can right. do it right. So maybe places like Daily Mail or something would have picked yeah. it up and say, "Yeah, sure, we'll just publish it." Yeah. Where Scientific American would have said, um, "No." Yeah, no. This isn't this isn't yeah. the way journalism works. This isn't the way science journalism works. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I mean, like I said, they they kind of did it for for the money pro- for the profit thing and for the po- political thing. And I, I think the press kind of played right into their hands. Yeah. During that. Well, the press has been pretty bad about that lately, just printing university press releases yeah. willy-nilly and not really checking anything. I mean, they did say a little bit, and then they came back. But I think at the outset, they should have made it quite yeah. clear what the restrictions that they were given. And and they they know who these people are. They know who they're working for, and they know what kind, what kind of stuff that they that they want to a, produce. And a quick Google search of this author will tell you he's anti-GMO. Yeah. So you got to take that with a little grain of salt to say, all right, what's going on here? Yeah. So and and it's so hard to talk, like you said, with you know the the changing of speed and steering the ship metaphors and all that. You know, people don't react to the retractions. They just forget they all they just remember is what they first heard and that's just yeah. well, human uh, and nature. often and often often the the press doesn't even follow up on it or if they follow up on it they, they put it on page 12 rather than the front page yeah. so the the tumors got front page news ah and then the retraction going oh <laughs> this is on this you know the one column on the right. science page on uh thursday at the back of the paper. True, but that's less of an issue nowadays in our email and television world. It's more that on television, the big press release is is talked about for 15 minutes yeah. on the latest newscast. The retraction is never, mentioned, never at all. mentioned at all. That's or true. 
you know, but it's also less of an issue for websites because, you know, there's no page six. You know, you right. can hide links here and there, but a link is a link. Right, but if it's a small blurb, it can get lost in the in a big RSS feed. Yeah, maybe. Right. It also, so, but it's less anyway. of a thing than being on page six of a newspaper, True. is what True. I'm saying. So the press just kind of sucked on this one. I'm also curious about this Food and Chemical Toxicology Journal. Yeah. Because their peer review system obviously failed completely. Because any scientist worth their, worth their salt would look at this and say, like you said, there weren't there weren't any rigorous statistics done, tiny little sample sizes. I've worked on this kind of these rats before. They get tumors anyway, so yeah. this doesn't mean anything. It should get put in a file drawer somewhere, not published. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's what happened. That's the science news of the week. Yes. So very very skeptically minded. I'm gonna go eat a genetically modified apple. Hmm. I'm gonna eat something eventually. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that kind of brings us to lightning. Are we doing running right now? I, well, we've been going for about an hour and a quarter, hour and twenty. Well, let's just cut already. It. So yeah, I mean, yeah, more, you know what? Uh, you know, the lightning round is more kind of a fun thing to do when all of us are here and we get to kind of play with each other and ask questions or do the old style and yeah, you know, yeah, Donna say ain't stuff here, really so we fast. ain't doing no stinking lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but there are a lot of interesting. You know, most of the time we do our lightning round because we post all these stories to our Facebook page, and yeah. you know, there's so many stuff to get, so much stuff to get interested in. Just go like our Facebook page, and then you know, see the kind of stuff that we think about talking about each week, because that's really what we pull. F- pull the material from to talk about during the show is stuff that we found and posted to, to each other on Facebook. If we read something and forgot to post it to Facebook, even if it was the most fascinating thing in the world, <laughs> we don't talk about it because we don't remember it. So if you think there's something we should talk about, you can even post it to our Facebook page. You know, we have regular listeners like, you know, Richard and James. And I think, um, uh, one of my friends from Tam, Greg, uh, another Greg, not me, Greg. Um, <laughs> I'm friends with myself. Well, I am, but there's other Gregs than me out there. Um, you know, post post stuff to our Facebook page. I can't all the believe time. we didn't talk about Keisha having sex with a ghost. <laughs> well, I posted that about five o'clock today, so yeah, I didn't yeah. have a chance to read that. Anyway, yeah, it's just she wrote her whole album, most recent album about her supernatural experiences, one of which apparently having sex with a ghost. Awesome. So that's an interesting sex, sex tape to show up on the internet, I guess. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, uh, that means that ghosts must have mass. Mm-hmm. So there must be physical phenomenon. Right. So there should be something that we can actually measure. Yes. So they're not supernatural. They have to be natural in order to have some interaction with the real world. Yeah. But that would just be logic, and we can't have any of that. Yeah, so we're not really going to talk about that, although we just did, ironically. That's pretty much all the mention it deserves. <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, and thank you for joining Greg. Greg. Thank you for joining Gary and myself. <laughs> we had fun talking at you. 
And um, and every, at each other. Yes. Every once in a while, we mention that Gary and I do some local performing here in San Antonio, Texas. And we just thought you'd let you guys know that on uh, October 13th, 13th, that's a Saturday, we will be performing at Big Bob's Burgers here in San Antonio, Once Texas. Once again. So come hear our songs and our banter and see us in the flesh. You have to make things creepy, don't you? Okay. That's my job on the show. <laughs> Donna talks about anthropology stuff. You talk about engineering stuff. I make things creepy. All right. So you really want the moniker Creepy Greg? <laughs> sure, why not? We'll make a t-shirt Own out it. of it. <laughs> creepy Greg, your thumbs are stupid. <laughs> Longitudinal. All right, so thanks for joining us, and we will talk at you next week. Right, thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Steve Singer. Steven Singer? Siegfried Fred Singer, but he goes by Fred. Oh, so it is Fred. S. Fred Singer. So not uh, right said Fred? No, Fred is not short for Siegfried. It's his middle name. Ah. So he doesn't have a partner named Roy, does he? I don't think so. <laughs> he doesn't do psychoanalysis? No. <laughs> That's Sigmund Freud. Ah. Okay. I miss Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You think that she wouldn't come up with stuff like that? Yeah, but it'd be different. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the same, but it'd be different. <laughs> Fine. Um, 100 rats. Couple, yeah, 100, couple hundred, couple something hundred like that. Rats. Ten, uh, 200 rats. It was ten, 10 groups of 20. Uh, that showed, over the two-year period, that these rats... Grew tumors, you dirty rat. And what they were, and what they they were saying that the the reason that they grew 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 tumor. Okay, break time. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs>